3: And now it's time for the Bet Rivers Sportsbook pregame show with score morning show co host Molly from the Molly and Hoss Show, Bears long snapping iron man Patrick Manley, and legendary Bears center Olin Krutz on Sports Radio 670 to score and Odyssey station. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Sportsbook, official
0: sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app today.
3: Good morning and welcome in. It is incredible. Pre game show with Molly. We've got Olin Cruz. Oh my gosh, Olin, so good to see you on our little uh, Google Media. You look like a million, always ready for TV on the radio. And of course, Patrick Manley. Patrick, your camera angle has changed. It looks like you left the studio. No recording. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Look, the big news is the Bears have opted to tell Detroit early. They gave him about 18 hours of notice. My God, now they got back to practice. They know that Justin Fields will make his de- home debut as a starter today. My question, guys, and good morning to everyone, but what's changed from last week? Matt Nagy is uh, very quiet about who the play caller is. Is is anything changed from the team that lined up in Cleveland?
1: Good morning, Mully. Um, I would – tell you how great you look, but I'd be lying, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, uh, man. Uh, oh, no. uh, <laughs> no. The Zoom no. camera's always messing things up, man. Um, Yeah, it was interesting all week, right, Molly? It just seemed like they didn't have a lot of answers up there at Hallis Hall, and while we all kind of figured Fields would start uh this week, they, they kept it a secret, I guess, that uh, when a defense gives up 31 points uh, a game, like the Lions' defense does, you need all the advantages you can get. But it just seemed this week, Pat, that when you watch Coach Nagy's press conferences, that uh, he was looking for answers, man. That he didn't really know uh, what what question what what his answers were, what his wise were. Is like he likes to talk about, and it just seems like maybe. And you can't blame him, Pat. Uh, you know, since 2018, since Week 14. Uh, when Coach Nagy calls plays, which is in 30 plus games, uh, they're averaging under 18 points a game. So his confidence is probably a little shaking there uh, for calling plays. And does my offense work? And why all the frustration, Pat? Wasn't the fact that the and Molly that, that the offense looked so bad? It was the fact that it, it didn't look like it was designed for a guy who coming out of Ohio State said people said he held the ball too long in the pocket. Don't keep him in the pocket too long. Get him moving around, and they refuse to do that.
2: Yeah, I just found it interesting when you've got to ask your your players for answers. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a team meeting and say, hey, what, what can I do better? You know, that, that to me says a lot about a coach that he is swimming. He doesn't know what's going on, that he's he's, he's really looking for answers to, uh, to the problems that are up there at Hallis Hall. And, you know, last week just seeing that game plan, we talked about it in the pregame that we expected to see something completely different, but we didn't. And I just think that's who Matt Nagy is. We will see if he can change this week to figure out a game plan to uh, match up with Justin Fields' skill set. But to me, this, this is a Matt Nagy problem. You know, Justin Fields was drafted to be the franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. His job is to make him the best quarterback he can be. This league is driven by the quarterbacks. And to me, Matt Nagy's not doing that. He is force-feeding his offense on this team, and, he, and he's hurting them. And he's hurting himself. And uh, we'll see if they, if they do make a change this week. I just hope I see something. You know, finally we saw something last, uh, last year with Mitch Trubisky late in the year to make him look better, make the offense look better, to make the team perform a little bit better. But let's see what they do today. If, if they don't do something today that's, I don't have to be, well, yes, it does have to be drastic compared to last week's game. But if they don't do something today to help Justin Fields, I think there is a big question mark with this coaching staff and the ownership uh, with the Chicago Bears.
3: So we're going to play a bunch of tape and we'll we'll listen to what everyone had to say during the week. But um but it was really interesting cuz repeated a couple of uh, uh of kind of weird thing. He did this whole word word salad thing on Wednesday where he answered for maybe a minute and a half but he didn't really say anything and he would not clarify who exactly is the play caller whether it's him or it's Bill Laser do either of you have any theory on who is calling the plays and why you wouldn't say who's calling the plays?
2: Are you talking about this week who's going to call the plays? This week. Yeah, flat this out, week. who's calling the plays? I, you know, I, well, I guess we'll find out if he starts reading off his sheet. We'll find out the first offensive play, mm-hmm. but right. um, I, I could see why. I mean, that's, that's, a, a, that's a thing to me. It's a little, you know, the coaches going back and forth of, you know, one, not letting him know who the quarterback's going to be, but I think we all kind of knew who that was going to be. Uh, the other one is to just the game plan, you know, to, to, to make um, Aaron Glenn over there, the defensive coordinator, you know, just kind of think and scratch his head. Wait, what offense are we going to see? So I, I I don't have a problem with that. I think that's just, you know, coaches being coaches and, and playing around with each other. So I don't have a problem with it. But but who's going to call the
3: plays? That's oh, who's going to call surprise? the plays? I, your, I,
2: your,
3: I, your guess, your educated guess.
2: It should be Bill Lazor. Mm, it should yeah. be that. That's my opinion. It should be him. It's time for Matt Nagy to step aside. That. That's. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's. He's just not good enough. It's time for him to step aside and just be the head coach.
1: Educated guest. Molly. The word you're looking for is hypothesis.
2: Anyway, <laughs> thank you. Listen, <laughs> thank you. Um, it's got to be laser. I, I. don't. I
1: don't know if you talk about self evaluation. If you talk about healthy conversations. If you put up on a grease board like Pat knows and, and Molly, you know these coaches love their grease board. If you put up your stats. And you sit in a room and say, Coach Coach Nagy, when we call plays, this is the results we get. Bill Lazer has to be the play caller. I think in the eight games he called plays last year, they averaged 25 points a game. Now look, that was against the worst defenses in the league—the uh, 32nd, the 31st, and the 30th—in the Lions, the Jaguars, and the Texans. We all know that. And when they played Green Bay at the end of the year, uh, I think they scored 16, and then they scored nine against New Orleans in the playoffs. So, uh, Laser didn't light the world on fire either. But this offense needs a change, and there's no way. After last week, Coach Nagy going to this week again. I mean, if if he took the play sheet out of his hand last year before the Minnesota game, uh, right before the bye week, Molly, I don't know how he doesn't do it this year with the way the offense has looked. Because, look, even when they ran the ball really well against the Rams, they still only scored 14 points, even when the offensive line played pretty good. This has been the cover for this offense for a long time. We don't run the ball, and we can't our offense line doesn't block well even when the offensive line block wells if you really study this offense over these last 3 or 4 years even when they block well even when they run the ball well this offense continues to struggle scoring points
3: yeah. and, and I totally agree with that we had an argument all week cuz my contention is that if the guy was going to change play callers he just admit it and the fact that he's hidden it means it's that it's going to be him I don't I don't think that there is any kind of um I don't think there's any kind of benefit in terms of uh, holding one over on Detroit. I think he can't come out and say I'm going to keep play calling after what happened in Cleveland, and and it was like the worst. What was it? One point one yards, mm-hmm. the worst, the second worst in a hundred years of offensive football in the NFL. How do you how do you come out and say? Well, everything's on the table, and we're going to see who, who's ready to be quarterback, and we're going to see who's going to call the plays. We're just going to keep that in-house. If you do that and, and you continue to call plays, I think that the avalanche of criticism that we heard nationally everywhere would really pour down on the guy. So you say, well, we're going to keep it in-house. We don't do anything. I just don't see him as stubborn as he's been giving it up after the second worst performance in a hundred years it's almost like if if I'm bowing out I'm going down with the ship I'm the captain I I, I think he's that stubborn and mm-hmm. and I I hope I'm wrong
1: yeah I hope not too Molly I, I think one of the problems have been and we've talked about many a times on this show and many shows that uh, the, the the staff that he surrounded himself with, um, I don't know if the, he has a lot of sh- like different opinions there. Tom Herman would be the only guy who comes to mind who could help him design a different offense, mm-hmm. right? Because Bill Lazor, I know he did run the outside zone system last year for Mitch Trubisky, the one Dow Loggins drafted Mitch Trubisky to play in. I know that's crazy, right? Play him in a system that he was drafted for. Well. My problem with that, Pat, is when you run a system that's not yours, you don't have the adjustments. This is Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan's system. This isn't their system. Juan Castillo learned it from Kubiak in Baltimore, So, and Rick Dennison, who's now uh, coaching in Minnesota. My problem is you can try to change the whole scheme all of a sudden, but come the third quarter, which you see with this team, when the other team makes adjustments, they're, they're just – they're just a step behind. They they can't put the ball in the end zone. They can't adjust to what the defense has already adjusted to because you don't have the answers to the questions. <laughs> Coach Nagy cannot continue to call plays. I know what you're saying, Mully. I, I know they didn't they didn't announce it. I don't know if they'll say it today, but I'll tell you right now. I don't. In my mind, I don't think there's no way this man is that stubborn. If he says he is what he is when he's on. The podium that he has healthy conversations that that they have the one of his strengths he said is being truthful is being honest. Well, if he's being honest with himself, he is not calling plays today.
2: Yeah, Olin, I want to go back to what you said there. My, you know, it, about the play caller, that's a big deal. But it's the it's the designer. You know, mm-hmm. who's putting this together during the week? Like what you brought up, how are they going to be able to put together something they don't know? Mm-hmm. Like you said, they might be able to start it and put it on paper and put it on the grease board for the guys, but they don't have the answers. And that, mm-hmm. when you said that, that's exactly right. So they can go out there and start it, but they don't have the answers. They can't go out there and, 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 and counteract Aaron Glenn and that defense over there. You know, that, that's what scares me. If they, they put it in there all right, great, it might look good the first quarter, but they just don't have the answers. And that's what scares me is they don't have anybody on staff, like you said, that can put an offense in there that will fit Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, but but let, let's be honest also, right? Today is not the Cleveland Browns at the dog pound. True. That true. was the absolute right. worst matchup for the Chicago Bears offense. If you told me, okay, Olin, I'm going to give them three really good pass rushing defensive ends versus the tackles that Ryan Pace and Coach Nagy have put on their team, Um with the crowd noise, with with Justin Fields, a rookie quarterback, uh, Coach Nagy, it, it just it, it was a bad matchup for the Chicago Bears last week. Anyway, and that's why when when we talked about pregame who we thought was going to win, everybody probably picked the Browns. I wasn't here for your guys' pick, but I'm pretty sure you picked the Browns. You didn't expect that performance they had. We didn't expect Coach Nagy to be that stubborn with his offense, and I think really. That's the frustration, right? No one thought they were going to look great. No one thought Fields was going to light the world on fire versus Joe Woods's unit in Cleveland with the dog pound screaming. It was just, man, why is this kid in so much five-man protection? Why aren't they? Why don't they have quarterback runs? Why don't they get him out of the pocket and then come out in the third quarter? And your answer was after everything you saw, no huddle, more five-man protection. It, it, it was that was the frustration. So. Today, I don't think I'm going to give Coach Nagy a little bit of credit. I think he totally changes today. I think Bill Lazor calls plays. I think you see some quarterback design runs. At least I hope because, man, if you don't, you've got to start to wonder up there at Hallis Hall, what the hell is going on?
3: Here's the thing, you know, and I guess when we look at it, you heard Bill Lazor say all that stuff, all the ways of, of protecting, mm-hmm. of moving the pocket, that's all within the offense but clearly he wanted he wanted the, the, you go to an no uh you go to an empty backfield with the idea that there are all these receivers out you snap the ball and and Justin Fields is going to throw it because he's going to know what the what the uh, where the receivers going he knows the route and he's going to know how to get rid of the ball quickly so the idea of the empty fab theoretically the empty backfield coming out of the half was designed to complete quicker passes um, he did not get rid of the ball. And we know that, that he held the ball quite a bit on the sacks, on whatever it was. There were there were eight times where he held the ball uh, 4.5 seconds or more, and he was sacked on seven of the eight plays. And the other one was the only time he actually got out of the pocket. So I, I don't know that that everything he was doing was wrong, but it's, there's no way to feel any differently. I, I think you absolutely feel like everything you did was wrong because you left guys on an island. You left five on five. You left guys – you left Jason Peters, who's a 39-year-old who was literally fishing when you called him to come back. I love that story. And, and he's, he's playing a guy 15 years younger than him that was a number one overall pick that, uh, that maybe Miles Garrett is now the defensive player of the year.
2: Yeah, and I, I think they lost that game last Tuesday. When they put that game plan together, like you said, you described everything that was wrong with that game plan. You could I don't think you could design a worse game plan for that defense going into that environment like Olin was talking about. You, you, you can't do that. That was just awful, and he continued to do it the entire game. that That's right. what was just unbelievable. There was no chip help whatsoever on either tackle, whether it was a tight end or a running back. It was just the whole game plan of putting... You know, the five-man protections and running those little spot routes for the uh, in zone coverages and making Justin Fields read the defense. That's not what he does. So I thought they lost it on Tuesday. When they, when they came out and started running that, I was like, there's no way. You can't do that. You've got to put plays together that marry each other. And Olin, you've talked about this a million times. A run to a play action. Something that makes him comfortable. Get him out on the on the edge so he's throwing those level throws we've talked about, one to two, where he just kind of knows where to go, where he doesn't have to pick one of five guys to go to depending on what the defense lines up. So, you know, that, that, that was a Matt Nagy offensive problem that started on Tuesday when they put that game plan together and installed it on Wednesday morning. Yeah,
1: it, it really was. But, but if you study the scheme that Coach Nagy is from, you're not shocked that that showed up, right? You're not shocked. Right. That even, even Mahomes, you know, in the Super Bowl, a team has set the record for pressures on a quarterback. That was the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Both their starting tackles were out. They had two backups at tackle in the Super Bowl versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they went five-man protection the whole game. This is where this guy is from, so I'm not shocked. Look, you're hoping, man. You're like, I know they're going to run a quarterback draw here when they spread the field, right? I know they're going to run a screen here to David Montgomery, who is their best player, who has made guys miss in the open field this year, well, you need to get ball in, the ball in his hands as many times as possible. You don't see a screen to lay in the game. It's a screen to the tight end. I think it was a screen to Cole Komet, and there was a holding call on that screen on that play. Right across the other side of the field, one of the best old lines in the league, the Cleveland Browns, were getting their butts kicked by the, the uh, Bears' defense line. Mario Edwards came back, Eddie Goldman came back to the It's going to be fun to watch that D line. But what did they run? Screens. They threw a few screams, scream hunt, and they changed their scheme because their O line couldn't block anybody. Their O line, Mully, like you guys have pointed out, the Bears O line is the fifth lowest paid, in the fourth lowest paid in the league. Yeah. What true. are the Browns? The Browns are pretty high up there, right? They they got Conklin, they got man, they got Batonio, they got Wyatt Teller, they got JC. I mean, they got all these names. Jedrick Willis, uh, first round pick, starting at left tackle. They got all these names. When their O line can't block, they don't say hey. You guys are supposed to be good. We're paying you all this money. We'll leave you five on five. No, they give them help. They run screens. They run draws. They, they chip. They, these are just the things that when we talk about when you have too many guys who see the game from the pocket, they don't see the game at the line of scrimmage. They don't see the matchups. They don't see what's actually going on there, and they need more help in that area of the field. All right, we're going to shift
3: gears. We're going to talk about the one change that is certain. Same quarterback. Will it be the same Blake caller? Well, at least there's a different opponent and a different venue. And we're going to bring in Dave Burkett of uh, of the Detroit Free Press, and we'll ask him, how have the kneecap biters been doing? They've played a lot of close <laughs> games. Dave Burkett <laughs> will join us next on the pregame show.
2: <laughs> this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you, and when you knock us down, We're back
0: with more of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio six seventy The Score with Molly, Patrick, Manley, and Olin Kreutz. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Sportsbook,
3: official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app today. All right, that is Dan Campbell, the new head coach of the Lions, and I get it. A lot of people were were used by the kneecap biting uh, speech, but guess what? This team. Playing awfully hard, and it took a lot to beat them last week in Detroit. It took a uh, an NFL record field goal at the end in order to uh, to get the Baltimore Ravens a win. So we're gonna pick apart Detroit and here on the pregame show. We got Olin Krutz and Patrick Manley, and it's presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today. And we are delighted now to welcome in Dave Burkett. He is the Lions beat writer for the Detroit Free Press and he joins us on the uh on the marvelous unbelievable uh, guest hotline which is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Vegas Las Vegas home of the world's largest sports Dave good morning how are you
0: what's up guys how are you
3: we are fired up and we are hoping that there's some change with the bears and we know a change of opponent is important um it's it's going to be easier for the protection in the uh in the home stadium or maybe not the the lions have played really good football with some kind of unheralded players right
0: well good football in spots i mean you know they they obviously didn't play good to start that 49ers game and then played a really good final 15 minutes or so to to come back in week one and make that thing close and week 2 you know they had a really good first half i mean their best first half of football best half of football this year against the packers and then they sort of folded after that and then we all saw what happened last week uh again got off to a slow start so uh and, and then needed a a record field goal uh you know to to get beat so look they've 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 got some things going for them but they're really young they're really thin um you know they're they're not a very good football team overall but they do fight hard for Dan Campbell and that that's there's something to be said about that
1: Hey, Dave, when, when I uh, heard Dan Campbell's press conference all coming in to this, I thought to myself he needs his old teammate back, Dominic Raiola, a good friend of mine.
0: <laughs> Your buddy. Because, yeah, yeah,
1: because uh, you're talking about buddy kneecaps. Uh, Dom Dom will do anything. But, um, Dave, when I watch uh, the Lions, and, and I, I heard some rumblings about Aaron Glenn before they hired him, I'm impressed by his scheme and what yep. he's doing out there and I know they have some injuries, you know, Trey Flowers out Okuda is out early from this year. Can you explain to us uh, what he tra- changed from Patricia and what he has brought to the Lions scheme-wise so the Bears fans understand what they're about to face today?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I guess to the the previous point, you know, they will glitzes us this week and and you just didn't see a lot of that under Matt Patricia. You know, Aaron Glenn is not afraid to bring pressure and he'll bring it from all over, safeties, cornerbacks, whoever, because he does want to get after you know, the uh, the passer a little bit, and, and so maybe that's not a great thing for Justin Fields. I mean, the Lions again, they're really young, especially in the secondary. You know, they they lost uh, basically their second and third corner or their first and third cornerback, so two of their top three cornerbacks, and now they've got you know one rookie playing slot, and, and they've got uh, their number two cornerbacks, a guy who was playing safety two months ago. So, um, you know, there's you know, teams can can take advantage of their their youth in the secondary, but. The one thing that they do have is a pretty good defensive front. You know, Romeo aquara uh, Charles Harris is playing some of his best football. Julian Aquara on the edge there, and, and then they got a couple big boys uh, up front in the middle. So um, it's been tough for, for teams to run against them. They did a really good job against the Ravens last week. Aaron Glenn, I think, is a really good coach, and regardless of what happens in Detroit this year, you know, he's a guy that's going to get some head coaching interviews because he's, he's that type of leader.
2: Dave, on the on the Bears' defensive side, obviously their defensive front is their strength. I know there's been some movement around with the offensive line for the uh, Detroit Lions. Could you maybe break down that matchup and and talk about you know sure. how you feel about that of, of those guys going against the Bears' D line?
0: Yeah, look, I mean the Lions know that's going to be a pretty tough task. but but you know uh, the last couple weeks uh, it's, it's no different. I mean they faced Joey Bosa and the 49ers in Week One. You know last week the Ravens obviously have a pretty good you know, pass rush there, they bring a lot of pressure. Panay Sewell, rookie, number seven overall pick starting at left tackle. Taylor Decker is still out. Decker has missed this will be his fourth straight game now. Uh, underwent hand surgery right before the start of the season. And guys Sewell was I think most people probably you know remember the name from, from coming out of the draft. I mean he was supposed to be one of the, the best offensive linemen in the last few years and he's really lived up to that so far. I mean he's played really well for a rookie not perfect, but really well for a rookie, especially when you consider that he, he worked at right tackle the entire spring and summer and uh back to his, his his position that he feels at home at you know the lions have maybe a little bit of a of an issue at right tackle matt nelson hasn't quite been as, as stable but they've got a really good center in frank rag now so the if you're looking at a strength of this lions team it's the front two uh so that should be a good matchup between the bears pass rush and, and what the lions have up front
3: I'm curious when you um, when you think about Jared Goff and what they're doing with him. You know, he obviously is kind of a captain checkdown at this point, uh, and I don't blame him. I mean, it, you know, you're you're talking about various reasons why, but he has not won a game without Sean McVay kind of at the voice in his head, and I wonder if that's getting into his head.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, just, you know, uh, look – yeah, I think we all kind of you know realize what Jared Goff is, right? He's he's not going to be, um, you know, one of the the top handful of quarterbacks in the NFL, right? He's not Patrick Mahomes, he's not Josh Allen, you know, he's not not some of these guys, but he's also not the the worst option out there. You know, he's a caretaker, and um, the, that whole stat, you know, he went 0 and seven as a rookie, uh, and then he's gone 0 three this year with you know a roster that frankly is in the bottom you know five or, or seven of the league, so. I don't think that's uh, that's anything that's entered his head. Uh, it's nothing that that has been a big topic of discussion yet in Detroit. The bigger topic, I guess, has just been you know whether this will be Jared's only season in Detroit. Right? I mean, who, right. at some point the Lions are going to have to draft a quarterback here. And I will say that you know from talking to Jared that you know this is something that I think he sort of knows where he's at in his career and, and what's on the uh, you know at stake for him and what he has to do to sort of reestablish himself as a a regular starter in the NFL.
1: You know, Dave, I was looking over the Lions' uh, film and their roster, and, and I know that, like you talked about, I mean, Frank Ragnow and Jonah Jackson are really impressive, especially Frank. He's a hell of a center. but um, yep. And I know T.J. Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, but the Bears have struggled outside with Kendall Vildor and – deep passes gain over the top some some coverage breakdowns obviously uh looking at their wide receiver who who could give them problems their wide receiver group uh who could beat them deep who should the bears fans be watching today because not a lot of names that we know here
0: no one i mean <laughs> You know, we talked about the Lions having a uh, – their strength being the offensive line. Well, I mean, they just – they don't have much in the receiving core. You know, their deep passing game has been, frankly, nonexistent, and part of it is the receiving core. I mean, you know, they just don't have a lot there. And, and part of it is Jared Goff and sort of his tendencies as a quarterback. You know, he – I think he's he's second to last in the league right now in in air yards per attempt. You know, I mean, just some of those stats where he just doesn't throw the ball downfield. I don't know if it's – he's he's not trusting his arms, you know, the way – you know, trusting his, his receivers to, to go up and, and catch, you know, contested passes or just, um, you know, the the fear of making mistakes. That's really what I think um, sort of precipitated the, the downfall in L.A. So, you know, he's been he's been kept in check down. And, you know, the Lions are without their number one receiver, Tyrell Williams, who's on IR with a concussion. So, um, you know, they, they've got a bunch of slot-type receivers. Um you know, Khalif Raymond and Amon Ross St. Brown, who who do a lot of their damage underneath. Quintus Cephas is really the only guy that, you know, the big body on the outside. But you know, he's not a burner. He's more of a bully out there. And so, uh, you know, I guess he could. Uh, you know, I'm sure the Lions will will try to give him the ball a little bit. But again, I wouldn't be too fearful of the Lions' receiving core.
2: Well, you Same. talked about Captain Checkdown. Sorry, I got to follow up with this one, Captain yes. Checkdown. You. uh DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, the two running backs here. I think they lead the uh, the NFL in most receiving yards. How good are these guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, as much as the Lions struggle in their deep passing game, they do still have some weapons there, and that's the two running backs and T.J. Hawkinson. And, you know, Hawkinson is a really good player, um, you know, Pro Bowl caliber, tight end, obviously coming off a of Pro Bowl season, and then Swift is really their you know he's the difference maker. You know, just a guy that when you get in space, um, you know he can do a lot of damage. And I think that's a that's a, a matchup that people have been talking about a little bit this week, or looking forward to, with him against his old teammate Ro- Roquan Smith, and and how much Smith will cover him, and um, just what he can do. You know, the lines will play to both of those running backs together at times, um, just trying to get mismatches on the field. And Swift and Hawkinson are the two big mismatch players.
3: Um. Dave, when we talk about this coaching staff, everybody on it is an NFL player, a former NFL player. Everyone's had a career. How has that affected the kind of motivational factor, practice structure? I mean, you know, we heard this week the Bears don't practice well. We heard this week that uh, they weren't motivated going into a game where they got blown out. Um, what, What are you seeing that you would describe from Dan Campbell and his staff?
0: Yeah, no, I'd I, I like this. Look, I, I've said, you know, the Lions, again, they're they're not a very good team right now, but I sort of like the direction that they're going. I think they brought some good people in, and that's, you know, Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn and, you know, Aubrey Pleasant, their secondary coach. And, you know, they, they've got a, a bunch of guys on that, that coaching staff who have a lot of respect in the locker room. And, you know, the one thing, and, and I think you guys can appreciate this as, as former players, is, you know, they, the competitiveness of these guys, right, and, and what they're trying to get done. I mean, that's... Uh, Building that into practice incorporating some of that of, of the you know the every little thing they do um, even if it's not a football type drill I mean you walk into the practice facility and, and out you know they've, they've got their uh, you know they're meeting in the indoor field right now right because of, of COVID and and you know there's a basketball hoop set up in there so you come in and you shoot you know and they would have a shooting contest or there's a, a golf course out back just a par, a, a par three hole you know where. Dan would, you know, he took a day off and he brought the players out there to have a competition, you know, based on on position groups. And so that is sort of ingrained into everything they do. And I, I do think players, you know, they appreciate the, that background and, and sort of the positions that those coaches have put them in on the field.
1: Hey Dave, what what uh day of the week uh do Dan Campbell and Chris Spielman with chew in their mouth compete at the bench press?
0: <laughs> you know, uh, Dan somebody asked Dan about that before and he said uh he said, uh, you know, that, that he he might look like he can still get after, but but he's not the, the, the warrior in the weight room that he used to be. But I'll tell you what, somebody told me a story one time about Spielman, you know, as a player where he was, you know, he was doing his, his workout at 6 a.m. or whatever it was, and some young guy wanted to, you know, come with him, and he, he tagged along, and, and the young guy at some point, you know, throwing up in the corner, and Chris finishes the set, and he's like, you're up, get up. Let's, you know,
2: start yelling at the guy. So that's just, that's just the type of guys that they have, for sure.
0: For sure.
2: Dave, I got one more question for you. It's about last week's game that when the clock ran out, you know, it should have been a 71-yard field goal. What was the NFL's explanation of why the, you know, it wasn't called, you know, a delay game? Yeah.
0: Well, they, they they wouldn't speak publicly about it. You know, they they do the pool report and those mm-hmm. guys are all trained to, to say nothing. And, and that's essentially what they did. And they didn't respond to media inquiries. And, but you know what they told Dan Campbell, at least uh, what, what Dan had said was, was they said, that's a subjective call, you know, huh. the, the the delay of game penalty, which it really isn't subjective, right? It hits double zero. There's time is not subjective, but we all know how they call that, that you, you sort of have a little grace period. And so um, as, as, as heartbreaking as that was, I guess for Lions fans, and as much as like kicking the teeth that was for for players, you know, Dan's message this week was, "Hey, get over it. You know what? This happens every week in the NFL to to teams, good and bad. And when they were in New Orleans, you know, they had their share of calls go against them, and they still won a lot of games. So it's up to the Lions to do that themselves."
3: All right, we'll uh, we'll let you go, Dave. But who did you pick? Tell us uh, what you told the fine readers in Detroit.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's a coin flip game. I mean, I I did pick the Lions to win this one just based on, you know, some of the, the quarterback issues, I guess, in Chicago. But, honestly, this one wouldn't surprise me either way. I do expect Justin Fields to be a little bit better, you know, second start. But I think the Lions have played better for longer stretches of time, and that's why I picked them by a field goal.
3: Great. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate your time, buddy. Really good stuff.
0: Yep, you got it, guys. Talk to you again.
3: That right. is Dave Burkett. Yeah, he uh, he picked the Lions. That's you know, it's the, the hometown writer. They're mm-hmm. looking for their first win, and they've been in these games. If if you don't take this team seriously, it's to your detriment.
2: Yeah, no, that, I'm with no, you. Last yeah. week, especially that last week game was oh. uh, was impressive, but Baltimore kind of gave it away as well. Hollywood Brown, I think, dropped two or three passes that could have gone for scores and things like that. But but they've been fighting. You know, they came back tried against the 49ers, you know, they got lucky with an onside kick, and they kept they kept biting the kneecap and trying to get back up is what they've been doing. <laughs> you know, then, then they started out well against Green Bay, and then Aaron Rodgers did his thing. But they, they compete. I got to give them that. They compete. So this this is a good – it's it's a, obviously an easier game than the Browns last week, but um, they're, they're going to they're gonna compete. They're going to bite your kneecap, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: they, they started off with a tough schedule, right, San Fran, yeah. uh, Green Bay, and Baltimore – uh, they showed up last week. Obviously, Baltimore had a lot of things going on. Uh, Lamar Jackson said he has a back injury. They starting left tackle Ronnie Stanley is out. Anyway, 6'6 yep. six, six yard field goal it takes to beat the Lions. These Lions are playing well. Like you said, Mully, uh, I don't think the Bears are taking anybody for granted with the way they played last week. Obviously, we know, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more, but we know how the Chicago Bears have to win football games this year. Uh, hopefully, we see a little bit of that. Today at Soldier Field, but uh, these Lions, even with all their injuries, uh, last week showed up and looked pretty damn good uh, playing against the Baltimore Ravens, who a lot of people uh, have in the playoffs this year. So this is their first game. If you're the Lions that you turn the film on, like, you know, Dave just said, and I've been listening to a lot of Lions writers this week, you turn the film on, you say, look, uh, we have a real chance to win this game.
3: Yeah, this should be one. Who knows? Um, I want to talk about practice-making perfect and, and what we heard from Bill Lazor during the week. We'll, uh, we'll get into the Bears' practice and whether that's going to show up uh, differently and on Sunday at Soldier Field. You're listening to the pregame show, Olin Krutz, Patrick Manley. It is uh, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Oh,
0: there are days when it has.
1: Um I think we, we were just, we, we just tried to be real specific and not general. Like general would say, yeah, we have to be a better practice team. Well, everyone can say that. So we tried to be specific. Okay, last week in practice, some of these things happened. How did it translate to the game? We're talking about
0: practice, man.
3: Yes, indeed, it is the pregame show. We got the Bears taking on the Lions. Excuse me, it's so field. We got Olin recruits Patrick Manley. I'm okay, buddy. Thank sure. you. Sure. I know you're worried. <laughs> I'm worried over here, man. Uh, presented by Bet Rivers, the official sportsbook of the Bears, the Chicago Bears, and download the Bet Rivers app today. That was the voice of the offensive coordinator. We heard, you know, really interesting stuff from him on Thursday. He talked about the offense and different things that are in it. But, but he let that one go. And I, I got to ask you, I mean, is this practice – overrated I mean when you look at being able to um execute come a game guys you would think you better have done some version of that in practice and I I guess different people downplay it you know we heard from Ellen uh, Iverson there Ellen Iverson was an undersized player who was who was uh barely six feet tall and he's fighting guys in the lane in the NBA and it's an 82 game schedule I think it's a little different when he's talking about that. It's, it's almost like he's Jimmy Graham every Wednesday. You know, he needs a day off. Um, but, but what are your thoughts on practice making perfect, on practice being important, and, and who's responsible if, if you have bad practices?
1: Yeah, it's, it's extremely important. I'm just – every commercial break we go to, I'm just trying to figure out like – I got to go down the hall and ask Mitch Rosen how Pat Manley gets all the reads for commercials, and I get none of them. But that's Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's right down I the hall. Them. I'm going to go ask I him. I don't know. I, I got to figure out how this all happens around here. But anyway, I'm not a radio guy, so I got to figure this all out. Anyway. Oh, uh,
3: the answer is practice. Practice.
1: practice. It's got to be practicing. manly practices. Here comes Mitch. We're asking. Practice, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to figure it out. I don't know what's going on. You know, uh, Mitch has me here like nine hours a day. Manly gets all the reads. Whatever. Anyway, let's, let's leave that alone. I got I to drive to here and come back for the post post. No, I don't need any Bet Rever reads. Anyway, listen. Uh, 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 Allen Iverson. Now to the point. Allen Iverson is one of the greatest scorers of all time. So it was, we had guys in our teams. Me and Pat used to always say, some of these guys don't have to practice, but you better be him. You better be that good. The Chicago Bears don't seem to have anybody in their offense to me who's that good. I don't see a Pro Bowler. I don't see an All Pro. I see a former All Pro and and, and Peters, but the rest of them, uh, Pro Bowler and Allen Robinson, but these guys. Coach Nagy said going into this year that he wanted to increase the tempo of practice, increase the pressure on these guys, especially for a rookie quarterback. You have to make practice hard. You have to give him the looks that he's going to see in the game. These guys, everything for them is about details. Talked earlier in the week when you watch their play action protection, the details are missing. When you watch the the receiver come in a jet sweep motion, he is not selling the jet sweep. He is not running as hard as he can. These guys are not good enough to not pay attention to the little things that are going on in their offense. They have to do, Pat, everything correct for them to put the ball in the end zone. And that starts with demanding at practice that the scout team give you a live look. You guys got to go live here. You got to make this hard on us so we get ready for the game.
2: Yeah, when, when my last year with Mark Trestman, that that – Man, that was wild. So what we had, we had some great coaches, Olin, that the head coach, it starts with the head coach where he have to have expectations of practice, where they expect you to perform, they expect you not to make mental mistakes, physical mistakes, we'll, we'll work through those. And like you said, Olin, the, the scout team has to be on it. So that's expectations from the guy up top. And that also starts in the position rooms where your position coach is expecting you to have a great practice, to know everything and, and, and execute when you're out there. And when I was with Mark Trestman towards towards the end of the end of my well, I guess the end of my first year with him which would have been 2013 we would have practices that started slacking you know we weren't doing things right and they'd be yeah. like all right we got to run it again or he, we wouldn't run it again and then at the end of practice he would pull us up and be like man that was a great practice guys that was really good that's what we need so what we start what did we start doing everybody started slacking because they understood mm-hmm. it, the expectations started to slide so if that's happening at Hallelujah you can't have that. And that happened with Mark Trestman. I think that kind of led to his downfall with guys, you know, easing off during practice and not going out and performing. But if you're if you don't keep those expectations high by the position coaches and especially the the, the uh, head coach, then you're going to get in trouble. And and that just that needs to be there every day when you walk into that building.
1: Yeah, and I think Molly, to simply answer your question, for this group, it is extremely important. If you yeah. look at the lack of, I, 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 there's no other word but talent that they have and a lack of explosive players that they have on this offense, the way they practice is critical for this offense to get this going and put the ball in the end zone. Because like you've seen, okay, for example, third and two last week, they run a toss crack with their 40 year old center pulling. I mean, 40 year old left tackle pulling, which is not the play I would call, but that's not the point. The point is they have two guys on the end of line of scrimmage. That is called a dose. I know it's, Crazy, but that just means two for people to understand (laughs) that. Look, you have – everything you run, Molly. everything we run, the question in the online room always would be, what if they give us a dose look there? What if there's two guys in the line of scrimmage? It looked like to me Allen Robinson didn't know that he had to block that second guy on the line of scrimmage. So, to me, that's practice. And what do you do in practice, Molly? You create what-ifs. What if this happens? And especially in critical down and distance, fourth and one, third and two, things that you know you're going to go for and it can change the momentum in the game. And when you really study this Bears film, it does not look like they are practicing with those details. So to Lasers' point, practice is critical for this group. And, and
3: who's it on? I mean, you know, Olin, I'm sure that if you – it's on the coaches, but if you saw someone in practice, wouldn't you let them know, hey – We need this, or you probably use stronger language.
1: Well, (laughs) it's on the whole group. As Pat can tell you, um, he was around Coach Tobe, an extremely impressive special teams coach. But they had leaders in Pat Manley. They had leaders in Brad Maynard. They had leaders in Robbie Gold. They had leaders in Jason McKee. They had a lot of good people on one side of the ball. Devin Hester. They had a lot of guys who demanded excellence. It takes a whole group. So it takes who's it on. Well, first, obviously, it starts at the top. It starts with Coach Nagy and the the way the practice is designed. And then Bill Lazor has to demand things. And then Coach Fury, who we've seen a a, a few mental mistakes by wide receivers in the league, he has to be a part of it. Juan Castile, the whole group, and then the players. You heard David Montgomery talk this week about it's not on the coaches, right? It's on us. Eventually, it's on us on the field. And there's a leader right there. There's a guy on the team. And hopefully, he's telling his teammates that in practice. And hopefully, at some point, even the team, the players are saying, look, that rep wasn't good enough. Let's repeat it. Let's not move on from this rep until we get everything right. So uh, to answer your question, my lady, it ov- obviously starts at the top. But when a group is struggling this much, they have to get in a room and be honest and say, look, man, we suck. I talked about a lot this week when we gave up nine or ten sacks and almost killed Jay Cutler in New York. Uh, Jay Cutler almost died that day. And then Todd Collins came in, and he almost died that day. My right arm had a cramp from picking quarterbacks up off the ground after they got sacked. But, look, we went back to the Hallis Hall. Everybody said they su- we sucked, and they were right. And we just slowly worked on what we had to get better on and just kept trying to get better and demand from each other to play better. We didn't end up great that year because we didn't have a lot of talent, but we did end up in the NFC Championship game.
2: I want to go back to your point, Olin, about the what-ifs, and I'll brag on you a little bit, and I guess I can brag on myself as well, and the other players we had. That you would bring people into the meeting room if you saw something on tape and you'd be like, Hey man, come in here. I saw this six weeks ago when when the Lions were playing the Packers. So this is a what if situation. We need to be ready for this critical third down call the coach has in there. Make sure you're ready for this. You know, because most of the time coaches what they go back four or five games and that's what they they game plan off of. But I think the good players, Olin, you and I, I would go way back and just try to find as much stuff as I could of, of coaches that maybe played against me or, or tried to have punt rushes against me, and I would find the what-ifs and bring guys in or bring my iPad to them towards the end of my career and say, hey, look, check this out. This could happen. Be ready for this. And that's, that's, that's on the player as well, and yes, it starts up top, but once you have a locker room that is willing to do that and take care of each other, that that's when it's that's when it's pretty impressive, and and you can take care of all those what ifs and the dose look you were talking about. All right,
1: right, and, and I, I, I and I think sorry, Molly, I, but I think that you heard uh, Joe Burrow, a good young quarterback over there in Cincinnati, yeah. talk about that a little bit this week, right? He talked about a little bit about studying the Jaguars' defense corner background, knowing mm-hmm. he was from Baltimore, knowing that he was a Don Wing Martindale guy, just from that kind of knowing what the guy would do in a situation, and if you look at when you talk about leadership, I mean, look what the Bears defense did to the Bengals. The Bengals came back the next week, beat the Steelers, and then they beat the Jaguars. So you know they have good leadership on the player side in that building because look, we played terrible. This is what's going to happen. We had four takeaways in four consecutive uh, possessions, but that's not going to break us. It just happens. Let's study film. Let's get better.
3: And, and I just wanted to add that it is really difficult to hear a post-season news conference where you brag about the ability to come back from a six-game losing streak. This, I'm talking about George and Ted at various points. You kind of brag about how you're the envy of every team in the league because of the character that you show in the locker room. And then after one of the worst losses you ever see, you, uh, you have to admit, yeah, we don't practice very well. And, uh, you know, maybe we should have practiced mm. more. It just underscores the empty hollow nature of some of the things that were said. I don't think anybody's anybody in the league is sitting there saying, Oh God, if only we had the character of the bears locker room. I, I think these guys are deluding themselves.
2: <laughs> no, I agree. And this is a results based business. I mean, that's, it's all about the wins. That's, that's all that matters. And I don't care if, if there's a jerk at Hallis hall, as long as we're winning, that's all that matters. You just hold people accountable. You can be a jerk or whatever, but just win. That's that's why you play the game. That's why you coach the game. I would hope that's why you own a team. You want to win Super Bowls, and you want to win. Yeah, and you don't want to go way overboard on what happened in Cleveland, and, and
1: it was terrible. It was horrible, and, and you're hoping to come back today. But, look, when you hear things like that, um, I was at Hallis Hall for 13 years. Pat was there longer. Uh, I don't really know if Ted and George know what kind of locker room culture they have. I never saw them down there. No. In the locker room, I just probably think they're taking people's words for what they have in that locker room. And, you know, I think Ted also said in the same, on the same day that we have everything but the quarterbacks and wins. Well, that means, means to me you have nothing, right? You don't have, you don't have anything if you don't have the quarterback and wins. And now you're going out and you're looking for another quarterback, and it goes to the bigger point of if you're Ted and George, I don't know if you can let this coaching staff put Fields back on the bench. I think you have to see them develop a young quarterback. I think they already your 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 number two draft pick from a few years ago is in Buffalo, and and they told you that we are getting better at this, but this guy just didn't fit our scheme. Well, now you just saw one of the worst performance by an offense in the history of the, in the Bears organization with the rookie quarterback who really struggled. I have to see this kid improve during the year. I have to see him take jumps, and that starts today. If, I, if, I'm a, if I'm a leader up there at Hallis Hall, I don't let these guys put this kid back on the bench. You have to show me that you can help this kid improve. All right, we're going to bring in
3: Dan Pompey to the conversation. We'll do that next. You're listening to the pregame show on the score.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.